All right, time for our social media question of the week, and I already know how Paul's going to feel about this. Father, you could be up in the air. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Okay, what is the question? Um, First, we should probably tell everybody that we have a guest on the show. So, hi, everybody. Welcome to the 23 Podcast. Paul Devine's here this week. He's our high school and young adult youth minister. Yes. Hello. Okay, Paul, that is Paul. And I am your father. Father. Okay, so we need to make sure people recognize the voices. All right. So here's the question that we threw out on social media yesterday. Very deep theological question. True or false? Bacon is overrated. True. Oh, that surprises me that you say that. True. True. I'm a sausage fan. Uh, You can ask my wife. I eat uh, sausage and eggs almost every single morning for breakfast. Wow. Almost every morning. That's impressive. I don't. I wish I could. Uh, Father, true or false, bacon is overrated. I, I agree. It is overrated. That doesn't mean I don't like it, but true. I think it's overrated. Okay. Uh, I will eat bacon once in a while. I like the taste, uh, but I certainly can live without it. Uh, I also, if I'm at a restaurant and they uh, give you the option of ham, bacon, or sausage, I always take sausage. And then they give you an option of sausage, patties, or links. Where are you on, Paul? Patties, hands down. Sausage links are horrible. Why would you ever do a link? Okay, I take links. Oh. So about the sausage patties. <laughs> um, well, okay, now we've covered all the theology that goes into the podcast, right? <laughs> I mean, that's really all we need to discuss this week. I um, I, Can I clarify really quickly is that it's actually, so bacon for breakfast is overrated. Bacon for any other meal, though, adds always adds something uh, and makes it better. So I will say that any other meal, bacon, I will choose bacon to add, add it. And it makes it all, always better. But for breakfast, I, I just never choose bacon. I never choose bacon. Well, you know, the good news is you have at least three meals a day that you can choose from and kind of mix and match how you want to eat your bacon. And I, I love the fact that he said at least three meals a day. Yes. <laughs> all right. Well, you, there were a lot, yeah, of, we're, uh, a, a lot of opinions yesterday as we posted this true. I love these true or false questions because it makes everything so black and white, like there's only one right answer. And then I love seeing people argue their their strong, passionate opinions about things like bacon. Mm-hmm. Well, it is. Uh, you know what? This is the perfect segue, if I may, sure. into the into the gospel, wow, because that, it ends, <laughs> that was quite a segue. Yeah, it ends with a meal. Oh, that's true. Okay, I'll give you that. And you can be very sure that they did not eat bacon or ham and probably not sausage. Uh, yeah, that is true. That is true. Mm-hmm. All right, so we are, uh, we're going through the Easter season, um, and we are being Easter people, even though it's the strangest Easter season of all Easter seasons, probably other than the first one. And um, we're on the third Sunday of Easter, which is a beloved gospel story this weekend. Uh, so, Father, why don't you set the stage a little bit? Uh, as okay. Prepare. First of all, I want you to know, I I think I had done this many years ago, but I did it again uh, last week. I sat down with the four Gospels 
and I wrote out a list of all the uh, accounts of Jesus' resurrection, the ones you find in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay. And it's amazing the overlap and sometimes the similarities. Uh, Mark only has like one little account that's kind of uh, generic. Uh, this is from Luke. Well, after I did that, what I did then was I, I took all these and I put them into order of which ones are my favorite, as if as if Jesus cares. But uh, so this coming Sunday is my favorite account. Okay. And uh, it's it's also from Luke's gospel. It's a long one. It's from chapter 24, The Road to Emmaus. And it's very long, and it starts off, I'm not going to read the whole thing, but it says, that very day, the first day of the week. And that's a phrase when they use that, the first day of the week, which we had last week when the, the, the apostles had uh, locked themselves in the room, that first day of the week. That's a euphemism for Sunday, uh, Easter Resurrection Day, the first day of the week. So... It's a, an account of the two disciples on the road to a town, Emmaus, that was considered a village seven miles from Jerusalem. Uh, we don't know who those two disciples were. One was who they were. One was called Cleopas, and the other one's name is not even given. So they're walking along, and they're talking. They're downcast. They're depressed. They're discouraged. And... You know, if you've ever gone for a walk, you talk about everything. Someone comes and joins them and walks with them. And he says, what are you what, what are you talking about? And he says, well, don't you know? And all the stuff that has happened in Jerusalem. And this man says, what stuff? Well, he didn't actually say it that way. But, you know, what kind of things have been happening? And so they say, well, you must be the only person who doesn't know about this Jesus of Nazareth, how we thought he would be the the one we're waiting for, uh, the Messiah, and how they crucified him. And then this morning, we got some news that he has risen from the dead, but it makes no sense. And then it goes on and says, Jesus, and they still didn't recognize him. Jesus tells them, but don't you know that he had to die first? And so the stranger that walks with them explains the entire Old Testament, how this leads up to Jesus, and goes on into the New Testament and it's by that point that they're getting near, and I love that phrase, they're drawing near to the village of Emmaus. And they must have had plans to stay there overnight. So they say, come join us. And they sit down at dinner, and in the breaking of the bread, they recognize Jesus. And it's at that point that he leaves them. And they're so excited that they run all the way back to Jerusalem. So they walk for seven miles and run back. Uh, and then they share the good news. I love the story because it's the mass, the liturgy of the word as they're walking, liturgy of the Eucharist as they come to dinner. And the break, they recognize him in the breaking of the bread. And so it's the same thing we talked about last week about recognizing Jesus. And that for some reason, there was a difficulty for people to understand the risen Lord. Um, but I, it's it's not only my favorite story but it's also the uh, of the resurrection but it's also the one that i've chosen uh for my own funeral uh, mass the priests have to plan their liturgies in advance and i i renew mine every two or three years so at least at the at the uh, right now if i die within this week or next 
uh, that will be the gospel that's read. And it's very long, but that's okay. If you're going to come to my funeral, I want you to sit and or stand there and wait. If you could try not to die in the next 15 to 20 minutes, that'd be preferable. <laughs> Is that how much time we have left? Yeah, approximately. I'd like to at least get this episode of the podcast finished. Yeah. So there's there's all kinds of extraneous things. Like, who were these two disciples? Cleopas, he's not one of the 12 apostles, but he was actually part of the group. So maybe there was like the, the 12 apostles, and then the next level of inner circle, and maybe a next level. So he was in there somewhere. People often ask, well, who was the disciple with him? Was it Mrs. Cleopas? Although that's possible in Luke's gospel, Luke very likely would have named her because he's much more inclusive of women. So we don't know who she was, but she was. this person was also one of the, uh, I said she, but it could have been anybody else who was part of the group. Uh, why did he name one and not the other? I don't know. Um, but they were pretty excited. They went, ran back. And when they get back, which is not, it says, then they recounted what had taken place on the road. Uh, once they got returned to Jerusalem, the others said, the Lord has been risen and he has appeared to Simon, Peter. So they say, okay, you're telling us what appeared to you, but that's okay. We already know. Uh, so you ran back for nothing. <laughs> but uh, the, sheer, the sheer joy, the excitement of uh, seeing the risen Lord. I love that. I agree with the, the, the joy and the excitement, but I also love the fact that they were walking completely alongside him and didn't even know it. You know, how many times in our lives have we been going through a, a situation or a circumstance and wondering, you know, where is God through all of this? And he was right next to us, but we didn't even recognize it. You know, we didn't even recognize his presence in our lives. And so I always take comfort that if, if this could happen to here we are, two disciples um, right after the resurrection. Uh, obviously, I think sometimes I'm doing OK, too, if I'm not even recognizing it really until after the fact. You know, you look back in hindsight and you say, oh, that that is where God's hand was in, in that. And they they said that, too, you know, that they recognized him in the breaking of the bread after yeah. it happened. I love the phrase, weren't our hearts burning within us as he recounted, like, uh, shouldn't we have felt it inside? Hey, Paul, since you're our guest, let me bring you into the picture and ask you a question. Yeah. I, know, I know you do a lot of retreats. Do you actually have Emmaus walks with the kids? Do they, at some point in the retreat, go off in two or three to talk about the experience? Yeah, see, it's something that we have recently started to do at certain um, trips, certain retreats, certain activities is try to like break down, um, you know, conversation to be a one on one activity or even, you know, a very small thing or even just like a personal just walking on your own and trying to relax um, and spend time with God and speak to him. Uh, we call them more like, uh, and this might not be the best term, but more like desert walks because we want them to sort of experience uh, getting away from the world and away from sort of themselves and experience God like um, sort of in the desert um, where there's nothing else. So it's not desert in the sense of in a negative uh, term but more positive because there's nothing else to distract you out there. Yeah. Um, so we do, we do do them a little bit. We just don't necessarily call them Emmaus walks. I know in the men's retreat, the men's retreat, we always end. It's the last thing we do before the closing mass on Sunday uh, that they go off 
And this is after the guys have been together about 40 hours. So they have a chance to just share what the experience was. But again, uh, very, very uh, controlled atmosphere in the sense of saying, you don't want to just talk about, you know, the, the latest football game and you don't want to talk about uh, even family matters. It's more like uh, how the Lord has walked with you this weekend. Yeah. You know what? I, I also like to uh, maybe going off of what Michael was saying, um, the idea of not sometimes in our life, we don't we don't recognize, you know, when God has just like been walking with us this entire time. And, and it, I think you alluded to it, but just the idea of it always takes like an invitation on our parts to invite him in. And that's when we really begin to see his work and to see his presence in our life. And so my favorite part of this is just like when they are stopping at the village and actually invite him to have dinner with him. And I think, you know, I always wonder what if questions. And I just wonder, gosh, how much they would have missed if they had not invited him in. Like they just would have, they would have, they wouldn't even have been a part of the scripture. Like they wouldn't even be in this story because they, um, Came they, that, they, that, you know, that close and it didn't, it didn't make the cut. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, so, but yeah, here's this, but the, uh, as they approached the village to which they were going, he gave the impression that he was going on farther, but they urged him saying, stay with us. For it is nearly evening and the day is almost over. So he went in to stay with them. And as it happened, that while he was with them at table, broke he took the bread, said the blessing, broke it, and gave it to them. With that, their eyes were opened, and they recognized him, but he vanished from their sight. Yeah, that seems to fit. But uh, it's that whole thing about uh, that they invited, stay with us. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of the other half of what we said last week about Jesus coming through the locked door. You know, it's like uh, they're almost like they they wanted to lock out anybody that would scare them. So I guess we have both sides of the picture. How many times do we have situations where, you know, it's just easier? (laughs) This is going to be um, not very timely, but where we say it's just easier to to stay home, which right now is what we're supposed to be doing. So that's good. But I know like in my my own uh, when I used to have a social life prior to the coronavirus, uh, Claire and I always laugh because every time we're supposed to go do something, I'm always like, oh, it'd just be easier just to like to stay home and not like have to deal with anything and, you know, whatever. And then every time, no matter who we're going to visit or what we're doing, uh, I always am so glad that a I'm socializing with other people that. Uh, we went and did something that our kids were able to play together, you know, whatever it may be. I'm always glad after the fact. Um, but I never really learned from that experience. Right. So every time I'm like, <laughs> oh, it'd just be easier to stay home. So I love what you said, Paul, because had they not invited him in, had they said, you know, it'd be easier not to have somebody come over or to to go on this walk or to be with this man. Um, think of what they would have missed out on. And I think, you know, every time I do that in my own social life when again I used to have one it I always feel like I'm so glad I didn't miss out on that I'm glad that I put myself out there uh, so that I could have a great experience and good community with people you know about uh, 30 years ago actually 31 years ago I spent two or three months traveling around Central America by myself it was first Mexico and then down to Chiapas southern Mexico and then I 
crossed into Guatemala and spent some time there and eventually went to Honduras and uh, then back to Mexico and then back to Nicaragua. And so I met different people at different times, but I was basically traveling by myself. And when you travel alone, you end up talking to a lot of people along the way. And I, I have some really good memories. I have some fascinating uh, recollections of conversations. And uh, just the other day, because I have the time, I was digging out all my journals because I always keep a journal when I travel. And uh, I think that's the most prized journal. And I was in this little village, I think it was in, uh, probably it was in Guatemala, where I filled my journal. And I, was, I had to, I was on a quest to find a notebook that I could use. Uh, <laughs> start, writing add, your, start writing on your hand. Yeah, and then you can't wash very much, but uh, 20 seconds or even five seconds. But no, I, I finally found this little book, a booklet, uh, little tablet type thing in a, a store. Real cheap quality paper, but I still have it. And it, I was glad I had it because it turns out what I added in that section was probably the most valuable part of the whole trip, you know, the, the, the recollections I had and the people I met. So you do have to keep a journal of almost like what Paul is saying, you know, not only discovering yourself uninhibited by, uh, unhindered by all the stuff of the world, but also those important people in your life and especially the relationship of God, you make room for God to walk with you. I remember, you know, talking about the value of conversation, uh, I think quite a few people know, but probably not everybody. Paul and I actually have been really close friends uh, since high school, and so we've we have a lot of great memories together and friends and and things like that. Oh, he's laughing. This is not good. And you're both you're both sworn to secrecy on some stuff. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, but I think you know I treasure in my own faith life, and I don't I can't speak for Paul, but like the conversations that we have had. Uh, not just the two of us, but with other men um, that are close friends of ours that, you know, those conversations and knowing that we could be that we were in community with other people our age of faith and asking the same questions. Um, I have very vivid memories uh, at Paul's uh, lake house when we would go up there, you know, for um, little two or three day getaways in at the end of high school and early in college of just like really deep and um, life-changing conversations, questions of faith. Uh, Paul, do you remember this? Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, you guys were all in my, uh, our, the bunk room. Weren't there like, uh, how many beds were in there? There was like four beds in there, but we like crammed in. There was like, yeah, four beds in there, and there was maybe about 12, 12 guys all, all crammed in there. And we joked that one of our friends became atheist for 20 minutes, but we pulled him back. <laughs> but yeah, you know, the value of those conversations and, and truly now more than ever, I think we're dependent upon conversation for our social interaction, right? Whether it's through video conferencing or a text message or a phone call, um, you know, the power of conversation and sharing words with people has been uh, a lifeline for many through the last month and additional days. Mm -hmm. I, yeah, you're right. I, I know I've had some powerful conversations on the phone with people. Last night I talked with a couple I know in Cincinnati 
and talked with each of them for 15 minutes or more. Uh, the night before, I talked with somebody for about an hour. And for me on the phone, that's ex extremely long. That just doesn't normally happen. But I guess we're, we're learning to, to do that. You have to take advantage of the, what you can. Yeah, and I, I also think, too, like, in some ways, it's a witness to be having those conversations because the people around us are processing. I think of the many times in, you know, going back to those conversations that we had, uh, you know, when we were younger, how many times did I stay quiet, not because I didn't have anything to say, but because I needed to listen to other people process things and other people's thoughts. And I think it helps us to learn from each other when we're willing to talk. But if, if we're not willing to have those conversations, then the people who need to hear those words, the third party almost in a sense, I don't know, maybe the disciple who wasn't named needed to more actually hear what was happening between a conversation between Jesus and, as uh, you pronounce it, Cleopas? Cle Cleopas. 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 Like, the accent is on the, according to the booklet here, it's uh, accent on the first syllable, Cleopas. <laughs> Cleopas. Now, yeah, uh, to use uh, 20th century type jargonese, you know, Cleopas was the extrovert and the companion was the introvert. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I love they that. Each differently i love that insight though paul because i'm definitely a talker there's no question about it and it's hard when we're recording a podcast not to talk no no, ki no kidding michael but <laughs> thanks father i am finding i myself i i do want to listen more like I, actually i'm very happy for a while just listening to hearing the two of you talk and and not saying anything um you know there is power in just being able to listen and and grow from other people's experiences too well, I just for a perfect example, a couple of weeks ago, Michael and Michael and I are on a in a disciple group and we've been meeting on Zoom still. And um, I remember, OK, so my fault, I did not prep. I did not prep uh, and read the readings that we were supposed to read beforehand. So I did not have much to say, but I actually walked away from that conversation, probably getting more out of that than most nights, because I feel like I really actually listened and I listened to a lot of other people and what they were speaking. And I was actually glad for that. I was glad to just hear other people's um, views and uh, their experiences. Yeah. I, and then we punished Paul the next week. I made him lead the discussion, so we knew that he actually read it. It's now becoming a thing. If you don't come prepared, you actually have to lead the next week. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, our 23 minutes is coming to a close. Paul, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast this week. Uh, blessings to you and your family and your clean floors. I'm surprised they did not come and interrupt. I don't know if you heard Rosemary screaming in the background at one point in time. But... No, it looked like a very peaceful home to me. <laughs> it's all behind the scenes. All right, everybody, God's blessings be upon all of you. You know that we're praying for you. Please do the same for us, and we'll talk to you next week on the 23 Podcast. God bless you. See you guys.